I'm glad to be here with you, and I'm glad that you're here, uh, those of you here in this room. If anyone's watching in the, in the Unity Hall, hello, and of course, hi to everyone online or watching after the fact or live online or at Smith Farms or somewhere else where people watch this. Hey, we are glad that you're a part of the house. If you're in the room, would you put your hands together and welcome all those people? We love you. I am Adam Deal. My mom just said... Um, uh, that, 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 that she asks you to, you know, sit back, lean forward is what I want you to do. I want you to lean forward. Uh, so hopefully we might uh, learn something about what the Word of God has to say to our lives uh, today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 7. If you have your Bible, you can flip there. We're starting a new series today called, Found, what's it called? Found at His Feet. Found at His Feet. There's several instances uh, in the Gospels, where people found something at the feet of Jesus. They weren't in the room with Jesus. They weren't across the, you know, they weren't looking at the cross. It happened at the feet of Jesus. Most of them are in the book of Luke. And we're going to look at some instances of what people found at the feet of Jesus. And one thing that was found at the feet of Jesus, the thing we're going to talk about today, is forgiveness. So if you're in Luke chapter 7, we're going to start there, verse 36. If you're ready for me to start, say, mm-hmm. All right, time out. I got to find it. Okay, here we go. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, pause. So a Pharisee invited Jesus to have dinner with him. Why? I had to ask, I had just, I had to ask myself this. Why did the Pharisee invite Jesus over? And I could think of two reasons that the Pharisee might invite Jesus over. One is because of hospitality. That seems to be the more obvious thing, because in that time, hospitality was a really, really big deal. You see, see the Pharisee was supposed to, uh, like if somebody came, came over to your house, there was things you had to do. It's like, like you're supposed to put an oil on the person's head, and um, you're, you're supposed to greet them properly. And in that time, it was like a kiss on the cheek. That was like the proper greeting. And because they didn't have like sneakers, um, they had like sandals or barefoot, their feet would get very, very, very dirty, and they would probably stink, maybe like the person next to you, I, I don't know, maybe. Uh, and so when you came over to somebody's house, the host was supposed to wash your feet. But watch what happens. Oh, sorry. That was one reason that the Pharisee may have asked Jesus over. I don't think that was it. Because as we'll see in just a minute, the Pharisee didn't do any of that. He wasn't, if, if he invited Jesus over to be hospitable, he did a terrible job at it. So why else might the Pharisee be inviting Jesus over to his house? I think it was, fitting with what we know about Pharisees, likely his pride. Jesus was kind of a hot shot. Jesus was kind of cool. And it was like a feather in his cap to have Jesus come over to your house. He, he wanted to show off. Like, like, how cool would it be if LeBron James came to your house today? Okay, if you don't like it, say, I see somebody saying no, but... Like, if you like LeBron James or Michael Jordan, if you, how cool would it be if Michael Jordan, who doesn't like Jordan, MJ, the GOAT, right? Well, whatever, get out of here. <laughs> the greatest of all time, or whoever you think that is, if he came over to your house today, you'd be, like, putting pictures up on Instagram, like, hey, doing selfies, is that my house? And I think that might have been what was going on with the Pharisee a little bit. He wanted people to, to see. He wanted to show off. He, I, can get, I can get JC. Like, he, he, he's, like, doing stuff. And he's like, popular, I, he's in my house, don't you see? So, all right, so let's see how it goes. Uh, I'll start over, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house 
and reclined at the table. So right now, already, we see something weird is going on. Because he was supposed to go to the Pharisee's house, and the Pharisee was supposed to greet him and put oil on his head and wash his feet. But Jesus walks in, none of that happens, and he reclined at the table. When I got to that part about reclining at the table, I thought, what's going on? Like, I would recline at the table when I was younger when I didn't want to eat my peas. You know, I would just be like, no, I'm not going to eat them, and then I'd fall asleep. But in those days, they had, they had a really low table, right? It was low to the ground. And so they weren't like sitting in chairs. They were, hey, if you're on the camera, watch out. Here we go. They would like lean down at the table like this. It's on their left arm, and they would be eating some food like this with their right hand. And so they'd be like all like this. And so their, their, body, their head would be by the table, and their feet would be sticking out the back, right? You're imagining this? Jesus is at the table. There's another guy right here. They're like, hey, how's it going? And his feet are sticking out. Okay, that's what's happening at this table. Given the camera people are work out, they're going up and down and all kinds of things today. Okay, where are we? Verse 37. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. How do you suppose this woman got in the house? In those days, they would have a courtyard, and that's where the feast would be happening. So the Pharisees throw in a big feast. His motivation is to show off. And they would have opened up the gate so everyone walking past would be able to see what kind of important people the Pharisee had over, and oh, look how important this guy is. Having a nice feast for Jesus sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? You invite someone over, it sounds like a good thing. But we see clues in this story that indicate that his motivation was entirely evil, prideful. His motivation for doing this good thing was all in the wrong places. Verse 38. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping. So imagine, right? There's the table, Jesus is there, his feet coming out the back, woman standing there over his feet. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And the tears just came and they came so much. I mean, usually when I cry, I can wipe it a little bit and, and that's it. But her tears were coming out so much that, that it wet the feet of Jesus. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And there it is at the feet of Jesus. She's at the feet of Jesus. The great awareness of her sin, because the Bible tells us that she was a sinful woman. We don't know what kind of sin it was or what kind of reputation she had, but it may have been a, a woman of ill refute. She was, she was not known for doing good stuff. She was known for doing bad stuff. And at the feet of Jesus, she became aware of her sin. She became aware of the reality about herself. And that, that great awareness of sin became awareness of forgiveness. So there was tears and tears, tears for the grief of her sin and tears of joy realizing what had been forgiven. Tears for the joy of really the removal of the pain. And where did it happen? At the feet of Jesus. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, 
that she is a sinner. Yeah, big boy, but so are you. Here's the first point. Reject relative righteousness. Reject relative righteousness. Relative righteousness is justifying ourselves based upon comparison of others. You do this, don't you? I'm assuming you do, because I know I do sometimes. I think it's, also, it's a trap we all kind of trip into sometimes. Relative righteousness. Well, I'm not as bad as him. So, I mean, this is okay. Yeah, yeah, Jesus probably wouldn't like that, but at least it's not heroin. I mean, this isn't okay, but it's not, it's not heroin. I mean, th- this, is, this is probably not, Jesus probably isn't too happy with this, but I know somebody else who left their spouse, and I'm, I didn't do that. Relative righteousness. That doesn't make you righteous, that you're a little better than someone else. All that does is it means you have a little bit less to be thankful for. The more that's forgiven, the more you have to be thankful for. That's all that means. The woman and the Pharisee. I love this story because we we see this great comparison between the, the woman and this Pharisee. Both are similar because both, equal, really, equal in their sin. Their, their state of sin. Their, what do you call it? The status. Their status was equal. Sinner. And the same can be said for every person in this room or online or watches later. The status for all of us is the same. Sinner. This woman was known for her sin and the Pharisee was known for his good guy stuff. But in the eyes of the Savior, both needed saving. Both needed saving. So let's reject relative righteousness. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, I think it's in Psalms or Proverbs. It says, There's no one righteous. No, not one. But we have good news. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What good news. The bad news is you're a sinner. Me too. The bad news is we deserve hell. The bad news is we deserve eternal separation from God because of that status of sinner. That's the bad news. But the good news is it's not what we get. If we put our faith in Jesus, it's not what we get. It's what we deserve. And church, the moment we forget that that's what we deserve, the moment we stop being thankful. I think that's that's the comparison we we, we see here between the Pharisee and, and the woman. The woman realized what she is being forgiven for. She realizes the the relief of her sin being gone. And she cried and she cried but the Pharisee couldn't even see it. He couldn't see past her sin to recognize the restoration that was occurring. Sin is sin, but what you do with it makes all the difference. Take this story, for example. Peter, there's two disciples, there's 12 disciples of Jesus, but there's two I want to talk about. Peter and Judas. Peter is known for a lot of things, Most of them are good. 
Judas is known for, well, one bad thing. They both, however, betrayed Jesus. They both betrayed Jesus. Peter betrayed Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. He said, I don't, I don't, I don't know that guy. I, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know him. He denied Jesus. Both betrayed Jesus. Same sin. Different ending. Different story. See, when Judas sinned, he ran and confessed to the priests. He ran to the priests and said, I've sinned. And the priest said, I think Matthew something, whatever, Matthew 27. The priest said, what's it to us? I don't care that you sinned. You, you did it, now it's over. Peter, however, he confessed, he ran. They both confessed, just to, they ran in different directions. Judas ran to other people. Peter ran to the feet of Jesus yes. in his heart. Amen. He ran to the feet of Jesus. And if I was Jesus, I would still be a little bit mad with him. Yet when Jesus came back alive, the angel met the women at the tomb. And the angel said, he is not here. He is risen. So go tell, my, go tell his disciples and Peter. You can be as bad as Judas, or you can be as good as Peter. Doesn't matter but when you run to the feet of Jesus, you can still get called out by name. He still wants to call you out by name. Not when you run to somebody, when you run to the feet of Jesus. That's where it happens. I need to do this. I need to run to the feet of Jesus and, and confess and say, oh Lord, I'm sorry. I need to do that regularly. I need to put to death the sinfulness that pops up. Do you know what I'm talking about? Does that ever happen to you? Is it just me? So I think I got my sin nature killed, and then it pops up. It's like a zit. You know what I'm talking about? My wife said don't use this illustration because it's gross, but that's exactly the point. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not the only one. It's like, man, something hurts right here. Then you look in the mirror the next day. Whoa, Hello. It just pops up. Things in our sinful nature just keep popping up. A little bit of apathy. I don't care. I don't care. A little bit of, little bit of anger that you embrace. A little bit of bitterness that's popping up. A little bit of greed popping up. A little bit of gossip popping up. Your faith in Jesus turns you into a child of God instead of an enemy of God. You become a child of God because of your faith in Jesus. But that doesn't mean your sin doesn't affect your relationship with God. It's just like with my kids. They're not perfect. They disobey me. When they disobey me, it doesn't stop the connection between father and child. They're still my children. But the relationship is a little different. The relationship is strained. I say, go to your room, and they say, no! We got a strained relationship until it's brought into alignment. You know what I mean. So sinning, sinning doesn't stop your relationship with God. It doesn't make you no longer a child. But you can't tell me your relationship with God is unaffected by sin. 
it strains the relationship. So get it unstrained. You got you to pay attention to the stuff that keeps popping. If it pops up, you, 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 put it, you put it to death. So here's my question for us today. You didn't know it, you're going to get some Ebonics at church this morning. What's popping? What's popping? Lord, show us in our heart. I pray that you would show each of your people what's popping. What's coming up? What do we need to put to death? What do we need to surrender? Maybe even there's stuff that's not, uh, that's not directly against your word, but you don't want us to do it anymore. You just want us to give it up because it's, I mean, it's, it's not, it's still good, but it's not God. We want all of you. So if you, whatever you want us to do, God, just speak to our heart. Anything that doesn't please you, God, we want to be made aware of it. So show us, Lord. So we can run to your feet and lay it down. Amen. So we take what's popping and we run to the feet of Jesus with it. If you're taking notes, this is a little extra add-on. You can write this one down. It's a quotable thing. If you want to put something on Facebook, this is what you do. Yeah, treat your sin like a zit. Pop what's popping. Treat your sin like a zit. Pop what's popping. If that sounds gross, then you get it. Then you get it. That's how sin is to the Lord. It should be gross. Treat your sin like a zit. Pop what's popping. There you go. Let's continue the story. We're going to jump down to verse 44. So he, Jesus, Jesus turned toward the woman and he said to Simon. So just imagine that, right? So it's like, like this, I'm Jesus. Here's the woman. Here's the woman. And here's Simon. Simon, not Simon Peter, Simon, Simon the Pharisee. And he turns to the woman and he says to Simon, do you see this woman? Starts like that. Man, he's about to take this guy to the woodshed. Check it out. Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. The way, that was the way they greeted people then. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Here's the next point we can learn from this story. We need to accept adjustment and act. Accept adjustment and act. Here we have the Pharisee and the, the woman. They both gave something. The Pharisee gave a feast motivated by pride. The woman gave perfume motivated by an internal change that was happening in her. I think she had to have been, this, had, this change had to have been going on for, for a little while. She didn't just walk in and just start crying. I think she probably heard Jesus somewhere. She was probably standing back a ways. And she heard Jesus preaching. 
about how your life can be different. And she just had to have it. She just had to have it. She knew her, she wasn't going to have her life the same way. So they both gave something, but Jesus cared more about the woman's expression. Even though the Pharisee is the guy, by all accounts at the time, you would think, this is the good guy. Dressed nice. He does the good stuff. Do you know how much money he gave to the poor last week? He, he's, he, he volunteers out places. He's the good guy. Jesus was not impressed by him. He was impressed by the lady known for her badness. Because he saw there was something inside. He saw past the badness to realize the restoration that was happening. Where did it happen? At the feet of Jesus. So Jesus took the Pharisee to the woodshed here because the Pharisee couldn't see past her sin. So if we're going to learn from this story, we must accept adjustment and act. We need to take action. See, we're not just forgiven. If you're a Christian today, you've been forgiven. And I just said, we need to go back. We need to go back and get that relationship with God put right in alignment. If there's pride that's popping up, we got we to gotta just... Say, Lord, forgive me. But we're not just forgiven. So we can walk around and say, I was forgiven. That's not the end goal. The end goal is in that forgiveness so we can represent God. We're saved on purpose for a purpose. And so for us to represent God well, we are to do what we saw him do. He forgave, now we forgive. Preach it, Pastor Adam. That's the way to go. Thank you. Hallelujah. Colossians 3.13 tells us directly, forgive as the Lord forgave you. If the cross was one big act of forgiveness, and I think it was, if the cross was one big act of forgiveness, it ceased the cycle of continual paybacks and revenge, and instead, Christ absorbed the blow himself so that we don't have to. And when you have an offense against someone, someone did something to you, we got to do the same thing. Jesus didn't pick up his cross and said, here, let me do this for you. He, he picked up his cross and said, come do this with me. Take up your cross. Take up your cross. So we get to do this with him. Boy, is that hard. We need to forgive because Christ forgave us. You can be a Christian without forgiving, but you're not being Christian. Christ-like. The word Christian means Christ-like. You can be a Christian without forgiving someone, but you cannot be Christian without forgiving. And this is found at the feet of Jesus. We receive it so that we can pass it on. Then for verse 48, Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Church, we've got to be Christ-like. We like to say we're Christians, but if we don't forgive others, we're not being Christ-like. We're not being Christ-like. Unforgiveness is a sin. It's not letting someone off the hook, getting them off of your hook and putting them on God's hook. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to hold on to this bitterness. I'm not going to hold on to that, what that person did to me. Forgiveness is 
choosing to give it to God. It has nothing to do with the other person asking for forgiveness. They're irrelevant in the matter. Forgiveness is about my heart. They don't have to feel sorry for what they did to me. They don't have to say, would you please forgive me? They don't have to do that. That's nice, but they don't have to do that. Forgiveness that God is after is about this. I choose to not be in bondage. I choose to not allow this to be a bitter root. It's not that I forget it. I choose that that's not going to affect my life going forward. I'm going to put them on God's hook. As long as I'm holding that bitter root, God can't deal with it. Let me tell you, if you really want to get back at somebody, give it to God. Give it to God. Give it to God. You're taking them off of your hook and putting them on his hook. To get your prayers answered. Anyone like, like their prayers to be answered? Like, if you pray, five of us, good. So if you, I mean, if you pray, I would think you would want your prayers to be answered. Did you know that there is a connection between, oh, Lord, would you please give me wisdom? And, oh, Lord, I forgive that person. There's a connection. There's a connection. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. And when you stand praying, Jesus said, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Do you see how that's connected? When you stand praying, go... Go make amends so that your prayers get answered. There's a connection there. If you need free from something in your own life, first step, set people free. You gotta set people free. He doesn't set you free if you don't set other people free. That's found in scripture more than once. And it's found at the feet of Jesus. Here's the second reason to forgive. Let me give you the second reason to forgive. To partner with God. I love this idea of partnering with God. How amazing is it that the king and creator of the universe wants to partner with somebody like me? I was going like, to say like you, but I thought I was going to be nice. Just... I think we could all identify that. Like... I don't feel qualified to, be, like if, like if a, the president of a big company called me and said, will you be my partner in my business adventure? I'd be, I'd be like laughing. I'm like, well, I'm not qualified to lead whatever. Take that times a billion. And that's what we do. God does very little without human cooperation. Even, even at... Even at creation, there was nothing. The earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the, the, the face of the earth. And then God spoke, let there be light. And he started speaking things into existence. Did he cooperate with man? No, because we weren't there yet. And he created, and then he molded humans, and he breathed life into Adam. Yes. And immediately he began cooperating with man. All right, Adam, so I made all those, see that, see that big, ugly, ugly, gray thing? I need you to name it. Hippopotamus, there you go. Good job. Go do all the others. Take dominion. 
See that tree? You get to pick it. You get to pick what that's called. Sequoia. I don't know how you came up with that. Good job, Adam. God does very little. Once mankind came on the plan, God has done very little without human cooperation. The plagues of Egypt. Moses had very little. Like like there was a little role that Moses played in the plagues of Egypt. But they didn't come without Moses. The, The parting of the Red Sea. Moses did very little. That's all he did. But the Red Sea did not part without Moses. And there may be very little that you need to do to see the miracle in your life, but it's not going to happen unless you cooperate. God does very little without human interaction, human cooperation. He works with us. Matthew 16, 19 says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Think about what that means for forgiveness. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whoa. My son, uh, I was holding my son earlier this week, and, and he told me that he did something that was naughty. It wasn't that bad. I, I, I didn't care. But he confessed it to me. And I'm like, we're going. I said, okay. Caleb, I want you to ask Jesus to forgive you. He said, okay. Jesus, please forgive me for that thing. Amen. When he looked up, I said, awesome, Caleb. Jesus forgives you. And he said, he did? How do you know? (laughs) I thought for a second, I remembered this. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I forgive you. I know the nature of my God. You went, to, you went to him. I'm passing on that forgiveness. You're free, Caleb. Don't do that again. Third reason to forgive. You, like, you don't need any more, do you? Like, I, should, I, like, I don't need to give a reason, but I'm going to anyway. Number three, third reason, to demonstrate what Christ did for you. If you were here regularly, you would have seen a couple weeks ago, I think it was, I had this light bulb that magically turned on. It wasn't magic, it was just a trick. But. And what I shared then was with this light bulb was, was that the power of God is transferred to us so that we can pass it on. Right? right? God gives us the power so we can pass it on. God has forgiven us so we can pass it on demonstrate what Christ did for you. Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. When we forgive others, we are being like Jesus. We're carrying, uh, we're carrying the light to other people, the light bulb. One of the ways to share the power with other people is Forgiving. So, so if you hear the idea, the band can come on up and just kind of play something. Uh, so when we talk about evangelism, we talk about telling others about Jesus or presenting the gospel to someone else, there's a lot of ways to do that. 
And right now, I know some of you, your heart just started beating a little faster because I started talking about, you know, going up to a stranger and saying, can I talk to you about the Bible? That's hard, okay? Number one way to do it. Don't move on to number two unless you do number one. Here we go. Number one way to present the gospel to other people. Forgive them. Show the world what forgiveness looks like. Stop the cycle of paybacks and revenge. Happens with little kids. I mean, if you, if you weren't raised in a house like this, if you're not in a house like this, you know what I'm talking about. If you just watch TV once in a while, the brother slaps the sister, the sister shoves the brother. You did that to me and they go back and they go back and they try to one-up each other and it's sibling rivalry, it's kind of common. And it would go on forever unless mama came, came in and said, stop. Tell your brother you're sorry. Tell each other you're sorry. Now say, I forgive you. But it didn't stop with us when we were eight, did it? Some of us still go through this cycle of paybacks and revenge. We're still going back. We're still holding on to bitterness. We're still allowing that thing our boss said to drag us down, to own us. We're still allowing that thing that happened at the last place we were at that caused us to quit and leave, or they fired me because of an instance. Whatever, you know, however you leave one place is how you'll come into the next if you don't deal with it. So get free. You gotta forgive somebody. Would you stand with me? I wanna invite us today to ask God for forgiveness. If there's something that's popping, if you, need, if you need the Lord's help to pop what's popping, today's a great chance. If the Lord brought something to your mind that's not pleasing to him, when we sing this last song in just a minute, during that, maybe you just need to not sing for a minute and just have a little conversation with your maker. And look at the Lord. And say, Lord, here it is. You knew already. I give it to you. So today I want to invite us to ask the Lord for forgiveness and to ask the Lord for his help to forgive. Lord, if there's anyone we need to forgive, Lord, bring it to our minds so we can let go.